Good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be with all of you. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here, along with Alyssa, and uh, it's good to just uh, be able to be with you in worship. It's good to be here with all of you, and it's good to know that God is uh, here as well. Um, I really uh, was especially reminded of that um, to, during this time of worship, that God is uh, often closer than we can ever imagine. Today we're kicking off a new series, so that's always exciting, new things. Um, We're going to explore the intersection of gratitude and generosity. Um, Recent studies have shown that generosity and gratitude go hand in hand. They're separate sides of the same coin. In fact, one study found that feelings of gratitude tend to make people more generous. And what was interesting is that it didn't matter whether it was because you were being thanked that you then became more generous, or just simply the fact that you were thankful it still made you more generous, that gratitude was this instigator to generosity. So, um, which makes sense. People tend to be more generous if they're thanked, and people tend to be more generous if they are, in fact, thankful. And so, when someone gives something to me, and I choose to be grateful for it, um, I'm more likely to give to someone else who we hope will be grateful, and they're more likely then to give to someone else who we hope will be grateful. And it becomes this really interesting feedback loop, this life cycle of generosity and gratitude. And here's the best part. We can start this life cycle of gratitude and generosity by just these small acts of being thankful and of being generous in our life. Just really small things can begin this life cycle over and over again in our life and in other people's life. We're going to talk about that. Before we do, we are ending the near. We're getting near the end of 2018, so I'm just going to give you a brief update of what 2019 is going to look like. I'm going to start by just giving you some numbers in regards to our budget. We just want to be transparent in all of our finances. So this is what uh, 2018 and 2019 are going to look like financially. So um, first off, 2018, this is what our income looked like, uh, generally speaking, um, for 2018. We're a new church start, so we were funded significantly by uh, grants, as you see here. Uh, a lot of grants, over uh, over $100,000 in grants. Flow-through income for 2018, that was ministry we were doing in partnership with the city of Columbus. So that was specifically ministry that, it wasn't a grant, it was a reimbursement. So we put it under f- flow-through. So in other words, we would do an event like a baby shower, and then a um, uh, uh, we, we we got money back for doing that, and so it, it was like specific money. So it wasn't we couldn't just use it however we wanted. It was kind of reimbursed. So that's in its own little category of flow through income, and then general offering. We kind of projected that uh, giving would be around seventy thousand in twenty eighteen. I I don't have the exact figure because truth be told, our finance team meets on Tuesday. So, uh, um, but from what I understand is we're 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 beyond that that our giving will be above what we kind of hoped and prayed for for 2018. So give you an idea of what, uh, that's a lot of money for grants. So I'll show you real briefly what grants look like in 2018. We go to the next slide. Here's the areas where we received um, some grant funds. All the way to the uh, um, left, you have the West Ohio Conference. We're United Methodist Church in the West Ohio Conference, and we received uh, significant money the first two years. This is our second year of the grant. We can get a grant for a total of three years. So 2019 is the last year for grants from the West Ohio Conference, but they uh, they gave us about uh, they gave us fifty thousand dollars for uh, twenty eighteen. Central Avenue Church is a church in um, Athens, Ohio, um, that kind of seeded us, that plant like sent us to plant this church. We have a number of people who have ties to Central Avenue. We have a few people visiting from Central Avenue. Kate and Barry, right there. Hey, welcome. They, they, she said she wanted to make sure we were doing our job, um, rightly so, because they've given us a lot of money in twenty eighteen. So you're, they're not really checking up on us, guys. It's, it's a joke. 
But um, um, that's, uh, they, they committed to giving us, um, as part of a capital campaign, $100,000 over essentially around a two-year period. So a bulk of that two-year period was specifically in 2018, and it came out just under 50000 Capillary District is a district in our conference. Uh, we received some funds to do some ministry from them. And then Lipsick UMC is another Methodist church that has been very generous. So that's 2018. I want to show you what our grants look like in 2019 for the sake of transparency. Um, 2019 is blue. We're so excited. Our uh, West Ohio Conference in our final year of grant funds is gonna give us the same amount they gave us this year, which is great. A lot of times grants kind of get less over time, but uh, they've just decided to be really generous to us. So we're moving into 2019 with the conference giving us another $50,000 in a monthly installments. Central Avenue Church will be finishing up their two-year giving to us um, around May, I think, or April, May. Um, and uh, so uh, that's why that number is a lot less. We'll continue to get that monthly gift from them up through May, and then the rest of the year we'll be on our own in that regard. Uh, Capillary District, we did apply for that grant again. We haven't heard back. We had an interview, though, um, this last week or the week before, sometime in the past. I'm really bad at history. So uh, we hope to hear back from that, and uh, we, you know, it's just we don't know until we until we hear back. And then we are expecting Lipsick to give a, one more gift of ten thousand dollars in 2019. So this, once again, if you go back to the next, if you go to the next slide, this is a 2018 income. Obviously, uh, 2019 our grants are, are significantly less, and so this is kind of what we're hoping is that as our grants decrease, our general offering will increase. So you can go to the next slide. So, ooh, animation. Yeah, so we're kind of hoping and praying that, uh, that as our grants go down, our giving increases. Um, honestly, that's between uh, God and you, and uh, we want to give you the resources and tools to have that conversation, to think about what God would have you give to Central City, um, whether you're giving already or, or haven't started giving. So on your way out, one of the things we're going to give you is a little uh, discernment card. Other churches would call them commitment cards. We're not there yet. Um, we're starting slow. Just a discernment card. All we're asking this, I'm not even asking you to give, uh, especially if you haven't given yet, but if, if you consider this your church home, here's what I'm asking you to do. Pray about it. And I mean that seriously. Just ask a really simple prayer out to God. God, what would you have me give in 2019? And if God tells you nothing, I'm totally fine with that. That's between you and God. But I just, I, I, if you consider this your church home, I just want you to offer a very simple prayer. And there's a little card that has the prayer and some other information, some numbers that can help you think through what a weekly offering would look like, et cetera. Just to invite you to pray. So all we want to do is give you the resources to have that conversation, especially with yourself, with God. And if you're you know, married or in a family, you can have that conversation. We really encourage you budgeting and all of that so you can have that conversation. What does your budget, your home budget look like, that sort of thing. And um, uh, we challenge you to do that. Now, for 2019, we're going to lean into the things that we're already doing. So we essentially um, are, are all about three things, and I'm going to give you some really brief updates on these three things. We're all about dynamic worship, intentional relationships, and risk-taking mission. 2019, we're adding a fourth one, so that's exciting. Hold on. You don't know what it is yet. I'm going to tell you. I know you're very eager, but we're going we're gonna to get to it. So bring up the, I think the next slide might be, there it is. Dynamic worship, intentional relationships, and risk-taking missions. So here's uh, kind of some really brief updates. First off, um, when we moved to this space, one of the things we said we wanted to do very early on, and um, maybe even as early as this fall, and, and as you know, it hasn't happened yet, was to move to two services. Now, the heart behind that is we know God has called us to reach more people. 
There are a lot of people in this city, in this neighborhood, and in the wider city of Columbus that, uh, that, that need what this community has to offer in the name of Jesus. Um, and we want to offer it. We think that God has called us to a unique ministry, and we've been able to see God really transform people's lives um, by providing a safe place, uh, people who've been hurt by the church in the past, people who haven't gone to church in the past, people um, uh, who are just passionate about actually a church that's doing mission and not outsourcing it to a nonprofit. We, people are, we believe there's other people, and so we want to create more space for that. So one of the ways we might do that um, moving into the future is two services. We haven't yet. Um, we brought on some, some new staff, and so we've been getting all of the systems in place to set us up for growth. So we have a new children's person. We have a new worship person uh, uh, with Nick. And so we're trying to create these systems so that we have enough servants to handle two services. And we're also still exploring, is two services what this community needs? Or is there a way that we could reach more people in another way? So we, we are exploring, but one thing we're not wavering on is we want to reach more people, whether that be to services or some other creative idea that we haven't thought of yet. Um, and one of the big restraints actually isn't our worship space. It's our children's area, which is, was the case of the theater as well. So we're like, how can we get more kids in the Because the children's area is full already, friends. I don't know if you knew that. Um, we have a little bit more room. We could squeeze some people in. Um, but the children's space is full. So we're just trying to figure that out. But one thing we're not wavering on is uh, reaching more people. The second thing is intentional relationships. Since the small group launch of uh, inviting people to be in relationship and mission together, um, we have 76 people connected to some kind of small group. Now, that doesn't mean that we have 76 people going to a small group every week. What it means is we have 76 people who've expressed interest or are on an email list for a particular small group. And that includes our, our life groups, which are those weekly, often in, in the home groups. It includes our community groups like Thub. Uh, pub theology, not thub theology. That was... <laughs> theology on tap. Sorry, I called it the wrong thing. Which they had their first meeting this week, and we had a good group come out to. Um, as well as at the movies, as well as our missional group, like the small group that's is opening the free store. Um, so 76 people. And we are looking at a couple of groups within the next year will probably multiply and, and turn into to two groups instead of one, uh, which, is a very, which is a thing healthy organisms do, is multiply. So that's a little bit of our update on intentional relationships. The next one is risk-taking mission. I'm going to leave that where it is because Anne gave an update already. We're really kind of putting our focus around risk-taking mission on opening a free store for families um, in need of baby clothes, diapers, um, resources. And uh, we're doing that in partnership with the city. We now have uh, two community health connectors who are uh, working out of the space um, at West Park United Methodist Church. And uh, um, they're city employees. Um, they're, they're not on staff with us, but they're, uh, they're partnering with us. And their job is to go find the women who need the resources and need the relationships in the community. And they do it full time. And I heard just this week that uh, they shared a story of a mother, a mother of twins, who uh, for whatever reason was in her home and uh, had two baby, uh, two twins, two infants, um, and they were on, laying on, in a bed or whatever um, with uh, diapers and a blanket wrapped up. No, they didn't have any onesies. Um, so, and, and that's just, that's no good. Um, infant mortality rates in Columbus, especially in some neighborhoods, are directly related to just really simple things like safe sleep and clothing 
And, uh, and in Franklinton, we're going to be within walking distance, one of the few places where you can get all of those things. Um, and so we're really excited. And this is very important work. And I know it's something you're all passionate about because I haven't met a single person who's told me we really shouldn't be focused on babies. You know, like we really shouldn't be helping babies out. No one's ever told me that. If you feel that way, let me know. We'll have a long conversation. But this is very, very important work. And um, it's something that we're really passionate about. So that's worship, relationships, mission. The fourth one that we're adding is what we're calling um, faithful multiplication. You can bring that up. Faithful multiplication. As me and Alyssa have really begun to wrestle and discern um, what our church is about, one of the things we've really felt called to is we know that God has called us to reach people, that there are people who are hurting um, and that we are meant to share the good news of Jesus Christ in both our words by sharing the gospel as well as in our deeds by living the gospel out and helping the most vulnerable. And so the way we do that is we constantly have to be thinking about who isn't here yet, what place needs what, what God has called us to offer. And so that's where we get into multiplication. And multiplication um, is all about multiplying leaders so that we can expand our impact and think of new places for new people. And so this looks, what essentially this plays out is we want to think through and say, what is faithful multiplication, growing, doubling, all of these other things, worship, small groups, and mission. So, like I said, we're looking at um, all of our small groups as they grow. Um, we are challenging them to think through what does multiplication look like and what is faithful multiplication, um, which means you're not doing it too quickly, but you're also not putting it off just because it's hard. But you're being faithful and wise, and you're asking yourself, when is a good time for us to expand this and offer it to, to more people? And like I said, we have some small groups that are doing that already. And it's something that we've already done as a church. Um, when we started, before we even had weekly services, we had four interns. And uh, of those four, we have three that are, are uh, in ministry now because of the internship. We have one who's uh, serving a small church. She's a pastor now at a small church while she continues her college education. Uh, her name's Kelly, if you remember. We have another one, Chrissy, who came back to us and runs our children's ministry. So that's pretty exciting. And the fourth, uh, the third one is Becky. You, you might not know this, but Becky is our communications person, has been since she was an intern. So every email you get from me and Alyssa, I didn't write. That's just a best kept secret. She does a great job of capturing our voice, but she does our emails and our social media and all this sort of stuff. She's graduating from college. She was doing this on the side, and she just got offered a full-time job at a church um, across the street from Kings Island, actually, so that's fun. And she's going to be doing this full-time at a church, doing their communication strategy. And friends, it's partly because of her time and experience building her portfolio and learning how to communicate well in our church. So that's part of that multiplication. We're sending people to new places who are doing really great things. And that's something that we really want to be uh, passionate about. So that's a little update of uh, where we're at 2018, what it looks like moving into 2019. And we're going to, you know, as we continue to talk about this, um, we'll flesh it out more and more and what that looks like. So with that, let's pray. And then we will get into our scripture teaching today. God, as we um, enter into a series on giving thanks, we just pause to give you thanks for all that you've done already, for the ways that you've moved in my life and in those in this room, the ways that you've challenged and inspired us and changed us. We give you thanks. We ask that you would do that again today, that you would open our hearts, that you would help us work through those things in our life, that you would help us develop the practices that can begin to change who we are, that we might become more like you, more like your son, 
It's your name we pray. Amen. As we kick off a series on gratitude and generosity, I want to invite you on a 30-day gratitude challenge. Over the next 30 days, I want you, this is a legitimate challenge, and we're going to talk more about it. I want you to take a moment each day and offer a very simple prayer to God. Just say, God, dear God, Lord Jesus, um, I'm thankful for, and then list out four or five specific things that you're thankful for that happened that day or the day before, specific things that you're thankful for. 30-day gratitude challenge. Gratitude and generosity really are this beautiful life cycle that you can get caught up in. Um, a few months ago, uh, Alyssa asked me if I would uh, drive up to Clintonville. We, we live in uh, Franklinton and drive up to Clintonville and jumpstart someone's car. Um, she was texting uh, Angela, who was up here singing earlier. Angela, yeah. And uh, I, uh, Angela was still kind of new. I don't know if we probably had met, but I didn't know you really well. But, you know, like, it, it, so I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go up. And it wasn't a big deal. Like, I'm going to go up to Clintonville and I'm going to jumpstart this car. We've all had to do that, right? And it's a totally normal thing. Um, but have you ever helped someone out in a way that seemed like super easy for you, but to them it seemed like the best thing ever? Have you ever been there? Like, no, seriously, this isn't a big deal. That's kind of how I felt when I was, I was jump-starting your car is like, yeah, no, like you, you got to jump-start people's car. You leave your lights on, like that happens. Um, but I don't know that you'd ever had to jump-start a car before and didn't know how and didn't have jumper cables. And so we did and we did it. And she was so grateful for jump-starting her car. And you could tell how thankful you were. Well, Thursday night, uh, we were here uh, doing a media training, and, and the band was practicing, so Angela was here. And I went to leave um, before everyone else, and I went out to, to my truck, and it wouldn't start. <laughs> I left the lights on, of course. I'm so used to these smart lights that just come on automatically, and this old truck, you know, doesn't have those. So I walked back in and I, I said, you know, just to the room in general, anyone have jumper cables? Because I didn't have any in the truck, surprisingly. And I said, I need to jump my car. Oh my gosh, Angela was so excited. Because since that event, she had gotten jumper cables. <laughs> and had never used them, still in the box, but brought them out um, and, and, and jumpstart the truck. I gave, she received, which she was grateful for, which made... Her, which made her grateful for the chance to give back, which I was so thankful for. This giving and gratitude and gratitude and generosity cycle that happens, this is what life is all about. It's so beautiful and it's so much fun. There's this, this gift, this chance to offer someone your time, your resources, your whatever, and when they're grateful, you're grateful, and the cycle just continues from there on out. Now, as people of faith, if you believe in God, and if you're here and you don't, you're totally welcome anyways. But as most of us people of faith, one of the things we believe is that the first gift, the, the gift that starts all other gifts, the gifts that we can trace back to the beginning of any gratitude generosity cycle, the gift of all gifts is life itself. As people of faith, we believe that God created 
all that we see, including life itself. And so no matter how generous you are or how generous someone is, their generosity is a byproduct of God's generosity. And so gratitude towards God and other people is essential to everything we do because we were created to be grateful in a world where everything we have is a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn to be born or to have breath in your lungs or to have the universe at your disposal. I mean, you, you didn't earn any of that. Everything, the very basics of life is a gift. And that is why gratitude is so essential to our everyday existence. Because gratitude is an added, this sense that I recognize that everything I have is a gift. Ultimately, if I trace it back far enough to, from God, but also a gift often from other people and their generosity. And so the cycle of giving and gratitude starts with God. We were created to give thanks to God. And there's a sense that if we fail to give thanks to God, there's something in our life that's going to be missing. We're not going to feel whole because we were created for it. So this is so central to who we are. There are countless studies that support this very basic idea because life is a gift and gifts are best received with gratitude. Gratitude is essential to every area of life and it benefits every area of life. This is really interesting. Gratitude and generosity is, is the, probably the one thing you can do right now that will improve every other area of your life. I heard one study, it, it was performed on 180 people with uh, heart problems. And some of the patients, half of the patients, were asked to keep a gratitude journal, the actual practice of writing out things you're thankful for. The other half of the group wasn't asked to do anything, and they just went through the normal process of getting their heart checked on and whatever. What they found is the group that kept a gratitude journal saw improvement on all areas of their health, including their heart recovery. Their inflammation levels were reduced, and their heart rhythm was improved. Gratitude is literally good for your heart. They found that actually gratitude also helps you sleep. That if, if you're a person like me sometimes who has trouble sleeping, ask yourself this. Do you fall asleep worrying about the stuff that you didn't get done or the stuff you have to do? If, you, if you're an anxious person, I'm a very anxious person, and that's what you think about before you sleep, you won't sleep as well. But, but if you take time while you're falling asleep or before you fall asleep to actually begin to think about the things, not that you're worried about, but the things that you're thankful for, it will help you fall asleep faster, they found, and will help you have a more restful sleep just by taking time to think through the things that you're, you're thankful for. They've done studies even on children. They found that, that children who are, who are grateful, who have this sense of gratitude, um, uh, they, it improves all, all of the areas of their development. Uh, and they also found how, where do children learn how to be grateful, of course, from their parents, or don't learn how to be in an NBC uh, uh, survey, they found that most people um, would give up, a majority of people would give up a 10% increase in their pay if it meant having a nicer boss. 10%, like, I would, like don't give me a 10% raise, just give me a nicer boss, someone who appreciates me, who shows some sense of gratitude, or this is what they found in a survey. We can all relate to that. There's this one large church surveyed their congregation. They had a, quite a large sampling pool, and they uh, asked about uh, marriage issues. What are some of the things you struggle with in marriage? Well, the first two issues that came up in the survey are very, very common. Um, the first one is, uh, you can put up that slide, is communication failure to listen and finances. You know, that shows up often. There's like the two big things that marriage couples tend to struggle with. Guess what the third one is? Put it up. <laughs> 
feeling underappreciated. Like gratitude, it's good for your heart, it's good for your kids, it's good for your work life, and it's good for your marriage. It's like, the, it's the, it improves every area of your life. It's also interesting that of the three, um, two of them, one of them has to do with finances, which we can talk a little bit about generosity later in the series, and, and gratitude. These two big things. In fact, um, uh, Brene Brown, um, one of our uh, heroes here at Central City Church, we reference her a lot. Her research is, is phenomenal. She, she talks about gratitude from her 12 years of, of research. Um, I'm going to show you a brief clip for that she did in, a, in an interview that she talks about um, the importance of gratitude. Let's watch that. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. In every area of life, gratitude makes this huge difference. Generosity is the same, actually. One study, and we'll talk about this in the weeks coming, one study found that generosity um, can be as effective at lowering blood pressure as medication and exercise, which is great news for me. Um, so we want to spend some time, and we're going to start with gratitude. So I want you to do, if you have a pen, you can take out a piece of paper, or you can just think this if you don't have something to write with. I want you to think, I want to rate, get, take a second and rate yourself on how uh, thankful you are as a person. So on one to five, how thankful are you? One being, I'm grateful all the time for so many things. One, one being, I'm just really grateful person. And five being, I'm hardly ever grateful. Take a second, either write it down or just think it. Where would you rate yourself on one to five on how thankful you are? Okay. You're not gonna have to tell anyone. It's okay, you can be honest. The second, um, just do the same with generosity. How generous are you? One being, I'm, I'm an extremely generous person, one. Five being, I'm hardly ever generous. Just think through, how would you rate yourself, one to five, uh, how grateful you are and how generous you are. Take a second and think about that. Our goal in this series is to help you move one number, to just move one number to become one number more uh, thankful, one number more generous. And if you're already at a one, we're gonna take you even still one number to zero or something, okay? In fact, if you are at a one, 
let me know and we'll have you preach next time. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So, um, so to do that, we're going we're gonna to spend some time in Scripture. Uh, today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, uh, specifically Luke chapter 17. Um, uh, uh, chapter 17. So if you, if you want to go there, if you have a Bible or a smartphone, you can go there. It'll also be on the screen, Luke chapter 17. In this story, Jesus is, the, is in the north part of Israel, and he's headed down to Jerusalem. Now, at this time, they don't know this, but his journey to Jerusalem would lead him to the cross. So he's going to go to Jerusalem and die on a cross. But on his way to Jerusalem, he's in between uh, the northern part of Israel, Galilee, and uh, Samaria, which you have to cross, either go around, which a lot of Jews did, or go through, which Jesus did sometimes, to get to um, Jerusalem, or the southern part of Israel. And so he's in between uh, Galilee and Samaria. He's walking along that border, and he runs into some people, uh, some Samaritans. And um, now, the, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along together. There was a lot of bad blood between them. And they had this really difficult relationship. There was a lot of, um, honestly, just straight out uh, racism, this sense of like um, entitlement and real struggles. In fact, one of the things that, that Jews would give thanks to God for, ironically, was uh, uh, one of their morning prayers was, thank you, God, uh, for not making me a Gentile. And a Samaritan was worse than a Gentile because they were half Jew, half Gentile. Um, don't, thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile, making me a slave, or making me a woman. So really, uh, that's not the kind of gratitude prayer we're asking you to pray, by the way. So he's walking along this border of Samaria, and he makes his way south, and he runs into a group of Samaritans. Luke 17, starting with verse one, uh, 11, says this. So now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. This is later in Jesus' ministry. It's, uh, it's on his journey to Jerusalem. And so word had already begun to spread that Jesus was healing people. In fact, he had already healed people with leprosy early on. And so everyone knew what they were asking for. All they had to say was, have mercy, have pity on us. And it, it, everyone knew that they were asking for Jesus to heal them to heal them of their leprosy. Now, leprosy wasn't what we uh, call leprosy today. Um, in a world where there wasn't necessarily hospitals or good diagnostic, leprosy was any sort of skin alteration, any sort of skin disease. Any, if you had something that looked different on your skin, blotches, spatches, you know, sores, it was, you'd probably get labeled as a leper. And some of them were really contagious. Others were probably benign and, and not harmful. But anyways, you'd be lobbed into this realm of leprosy. And because some were so contagious, people were really cautious. And so if you were labeled as a leper, you had to leave your home and you were, you were ostracized from the community. You had to be contained. And so you would find yourself homeless, living in a cave with a bunch of other people who were labeled as lepers as well. So as a Samaritan, uh, Samaritans would be looked down on by Jews. But a Samaritan with a skin disease was looked down by other Samaritans as well. So here are these Samaritans who have a skin disease. They're the, they're the outcast of the outcast. And that's, that's their life. Now, if anyone was healed of leprosy, it went away for some reason, they would go to the priest. And the priest would examine them like a doctor would and make sure that there's, you know, all the spotches are gone. And, and then you would be able to re-enter the community, which is what happens next, which Jesus says this to them. Now, they're far, they're a ways off. And Jesus yells back. They're saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus responds. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I think this 
part of the story is uh, very appropriate for us. And I think this healing that Jesus does is something that I think we should spend some time reflecting on because so many of Jesus' healings were like right there with the person. Almost like a procedure. One time Jesus takes mud and wipes it on someone's eyes and then wipes the mud off and like they see. Um, other times he touches them or he's right there. And, and in that moment where Jesus and this other human are touching each other, they're in the same room and the healing happens, there's this sense that like Jesus healed me. What I love about this story is they're way off in the distance. They say, have pity on us. And Jesus says, all right, stop where you're at. Go to the priest. And as they're going, sometime later, they're healed. And I feel like that's how we often experience God in our lives. That it's often not in the moment. That's what I love about the story. It's not the moment someone's praying for me or the moment that I'm talking to God. It's sometime later. And here's the challenge with that. And, and this will explain, I think, some of the story as it, as it unfolds. Is when it happens later, it's not in the conversation. It's not in that particular moment. It's sometime later. Sometimes I think we wonder, well, did Jesus really have anything to do with that? You know, I mean, I asked Jesus to have pity on me. He said to go to the priest, but he didn't even say he was going to heal me. And now I'm healed sometime at a later date. What role did Jesus really have? Or was that just coincidence? And we can ask these questions and go down this spiral of not really being sure. And so that kind of explains what happens next. Um, the next verse says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. I love about this. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. Almost everywhere else in the Gospels, when someone threw themselves at Jesus' feet, they were asking for mercy. They were pleading. Here, he's offering gratitude. And he's doing the same sort of falling at Jesus' feet. And he goes on. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? We're like led into the story. Like one guy we know was cleansed. He's just like, I'm pretty sure all ten of you were healed if I'm keeping track of my healing powers here. Like, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Almost implying that maybe the other nine were actual, not even Samaritans, but were Jews. We, we don't know. But he, that's what he seems to imply in this question. Like, the one person who comes back to give thanks isn't even, isn't even my brother in, in the Jewish faith. He's a Samaritan, a foreigner. Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So where were the other nine? What were they doing? Here's my guess. They went on with their life. They went back home. They ran to see their wife or their kids who they had to leave before. I mean, who wouldn't you? They went on with their life. Maybe they went back even at some point to, to check and see if they could get their job back. Or maybe they were thinking about, wow, what kind of party are we going to have? I'm healed. I get to live with my family again. I get to live in the... They went on with their life. And that's what we do. I think, I'd like to think that, that I would be one of the 10 who comes back to give thanks, but I wonder if maybe 90% of us wouldn't, that we would just go on and enjoy what we've been given. Here's something I've learned from this passage and from other research about gratitude that I think is essential, and I encourage you to write this down if, if, if you want to remember it. it. It's simply this, gratitude is rooted in the practice of remembering. It's a, it's a remembering practice. You know, if you only move forward in life, that's what I do. I'm a forward 
person. I'm always doing the next thing. Like, I'm not here right now. I'm thinking about next Sunday. I'm just in autopilot. That's my life. If you're always moving forward, you'll never be thankful. Gratitude, this is what I, this is, so you have 10 lepers. One of them comes back. He journeys back to see Jesus. That's gratitude. It's a process of journeying back. It's taking this time to remember back. The, the, the one guy went back. He, he didn't go home or he didn't go on with his life. He would eventually, but he made the journey, maybe even a long journey, to find Jesus. And that is gratitude, taking the time, going out of your way, stopping your own progress as a person, what needs to be done, and going back. Maybe literally going back to thank someone like in this story, or metaphorically going back and saying, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about what has happened that I can be thankful for. That's the practice of gratitude that Brene Brown talks about. It's taking that time and that energy to look back and be thankful. So we have to take back. And we have to take time to go back on the journey. Um, and, and, and so this is what really keeps us from being grateful. We're too busy. I was talking with somebody last night, and, um, and they, uh, they encouraged their small group to uh, keep a journal, and, uh, but uh, find themselves never having time to do it themselves. <laughs> we're too busy, aren't we? We're just, we're too busy. And that's my problem as well. I'm too busy thinking about what needs to be done to take the time to be thankful for what's already done. Many of you know, and this is a, a big source of stories for me, so my apologies. I'll eventually talk about it when, stop talking about it when we get it done. But we're, we're fixing up our house. It's a fixer-upper. And, um, and, you know, uh, speaking of that, by the way, uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month, you, got, you all gave us a Lowe's gift card. Um, we've already used it. It got us a new bathroom floor. So it would be ironic if I didn't stop and thank you for that. <laughs> I really, no, thank you. Yeah, it's great. Very great bathroom floor. Alyssa's super happy with it, so we're good. Um, but when it comes to fixing up the house, I'm consumed by what's next. I am. I'm consumed by what needs to get done. And so much so that for like a month or two, I was just every night off, every weekend, I wasn't working on a Saturday or a day off on Monday or whatever. Every time I had a break, I was working on a project. And I would just like, and every time I got a project started or done or somewhere a little bit of progress, I would think about five other things that had to happen. And I'm friends, it became so exhausting because all I was thinking about is what needed to get done. And it, I, it became overwhelming until one weekend I went home to my parents. And I sat down with my brother, and my brother asked me what projects we had been working on. And, and honestly, my first thought was, I, I, I almost wanted to tell him all the things I needed to get done. That's what I was going to default to. But I was so tired that I didn't want to put thought into that anymore. And out of mere exhaustion, I started listing the things that we've already completed. I started listing and talking about how we painted the stairs and we redid the entryway, and, which means we also did drywall and we put up a pallet board and we installed a brand new door, which I'd never done before. And we put a fan in the bathroom, which means we had to cut a hole in the roof, which Brian helped with so I didn't have a leak in my roof, and, which also meant running new electrical, which is a journey. And, and, and then the, the, we put a run electrical so we could put a ceiling fan in our living room. And then we also like, we pulled out, you know, uh, um, in the bathroom, we pulled out this old closet and put in shelves. And then as I began to list all this up, I'm, friends, I was kind of blown away by what we've been able to do. And that anxiety became to melt away, and I, I became really grateful. 
There's, and, and I think this ties into this conversation of gratitude. It's this idea that like, if you're only concerned about what is undone, what is in the future, what you're moving towards, and you don't take time to think about what has happened already, what, what you can be grateful for, we'll live very anxious lives. And we'll have heart problems and won't sleep well. Going back to the passage, uh, consider it for a second. At the end of the story, Jesus looks at this man who came back to give thanks. And he says, your faith has made you well. Isn't that interesting? Ten lepers approach Jesus. He sends them on their way and ten of them are, are healed. And when one comes back, he says, your faith has made you well. This is significant because the word here in the Greek being translated, your faith has made you well, can be translated a number of other ways. It's a phrase that Jesus uses a lot. In other places, it's translated, your faith has saved you. It's sozo. It's the same word that we get savior out of. It's this idea of not only being healed, but it's being saved, being delivered, being made whole. It's stronger than just physical healing. It's this holistic healing. And here's what Jesus is saying. It's very profound. He says, it is possible to be healed by God of some sort of physical outward sort of thing and to go on with your life not complete. If you want to live a complete whole, delivered, saved life, it's found in the practice of gratitude. That taking the faith, the faith that it takes to stop, to recognize God's work in our life, and to offer thanks for it, something about that saves us, heals us in a much deeper way than just the simple, still profound physical healing that God offers. In other words, the best thing in life could happen to you, you know, you could win the, you could win the lottery, and it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. In fact, I heard a story recently of someone who won the lottery, and they went and spent it all on themselves. They weren't generous. This is another conversation we'll have. But uh, they, weren't, they just bought all these cars, and then in the process of this extravagant lifestyle, they got hooked on drugs. They spent all of their millions of dollars that they won. And later, this was a real news story, they were found, if I'm remembering right, they were found uh, breaking into someone's garage to steal stuff so they could buy more drugs. Here's somebody, this, this thing that many people would say, this is the best thing that could ever happen to me, and yet... Because of the way in which they interacted with it, it became the worst thing ever. On the other hand, though, you could, you could receive next to nothing, but it could be a gift at the right time with the right perspective, and you take the time to be thankful for it, and you doing that on a regular basis will make you the happiest person alive. So it's not a matter of how much good happens to you. It's a matter of how grateful you are for the good that does happen. So here's the challenge. Every day, for the next 30 days, take a moment and come up with four or five things that you're thankful for. Now, don't just say my family. If you say my family and you list it five times on every page, I don't know this is going to work. But, but think, or like, or I have a roof over my head, or, you know, be more specific. So, for example, I'm not going to say I'm so thankful for Finn. What I'm going to say, Finn's my son. I'm going to say um, I'm so thankful for earlier today when Finn asked me to read him a book. Be specific. Think specifically about something that you can be grateful for and try to come up with four or five. So when you leave today, we're going to give you uh, three things. First off is we've got these really small, they fit right in your pocket, 
um, gratitude journals. Front, if you use front and back pages, there's enough pages to do 30 days of listing out. There's just enough room to list out four or five things each day for you to be thankful for. I'm going to challenge you to grab one of these. We should have enough for everyone. We're pretty close. We'll get more if you, if you don't get one. Also, it's just paper, so you can use one at home. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> grab one of these. Fits in your pocket, it's perfect. Take it. The other thing is we have a simple memory verse that's a- along with it. It's just a little card. I want to encourage you to take it out of your journal. Don't put- keep it in your pocket. Put it somewhere you can see. It's First Thess- Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says this, um, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In fact, could we read that together real quick? Let's, let's read that. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So journal, a little card that has a memory verse on it. And finally, we have those um, the, the sermon cards. As we plan for 2019, we invite you to just take some time and consider what you might give. Um, if you consider this your church home, if you're a visitor here or you're still feeling us out, don't, there's no pressure. But if this is your church home, you said, this is where I find myself growing in my faith, Friends, I'm not asking you to give, but I am challenging you, if this is your church home, to pray about it, to ask, God, what would you have me give? And then what you do with that is between you and God. So those three things we're going to leave you with, the journal, memory card, and a discernment card. Um, Over the next uh, three weeks, we're going to take some time to talk about what it means to be thankful and generous and move our ranking just one number. That's our goal. So with that, I'm going to invite the band to come up, and uh, let's take a second and pray. Let's, uh, let's pray. I'm going to invite you to take a moment, and in this silence, even right now, let's start it right now, um, list some of the things that you're thankful for in your life. Take a second and, and list some of the things you're thankful for. Now, I want, to, I want you to take a second and think about, and I'm sure you've already done this, but think specifically about the people in your life. In fact, if you're sitting next to somebody, um, your spouse or your child, um, I encourage you to even grab their hand, hold their hand, and um, if you're not, then just think about the person, in, people in your life, your family, your friends, and offer a simple prayer of thanks to God for them. What, why are you thankful for them? God, we thank you for your amazing power and work in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you that you are able to bring hope through even the toughest of times. Thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you are always with us and will never leave us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice that we might have life. Lord, forgive us for when we don't thank you enough for who you are, for all you do, and for all that you've given. Lord, help us to set our eyes on our hearts, in our, in our hearts on, uh, on you in a fresh way. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and your joy. We love you. We need you this day and every day. We give you praise and thanks, for you alone are worthy. 
In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Please stand and worship with us. As we stand together and uh, prepare to, to worship on this last song, I, I just wanted to share a bit. I, just, I was listening to what Joe was have, had to say uh, about gr- gratitude. And I was listening to uh, Joe talk about how we should be grateful to each other and, and show gratitude to each other. And it, God kind of spoke to me, and, and he just told me that um, he's grateful for us. And he shows gratitude to us every day in our everyday lives and things you may not know or things you may not pay attention to. This morning, Gina and I couldn't find our keys to the car and I was supposed to be here for practice at 8.30 and we were, I was freaking out because it's the only set of keys that we had. And I walked outside and I said, God, just please help me find these keys. And he told me to walk to my mailbox. So I walked to my mailbox and I looked at my mailbox. I was like, well, the keys aren't here, God. What are you doing? Why are you telling them? As I was walking back to our back door, I was looking on the ground and uh, aggravated, and the keys were on the ground outside. (laughs) So it just blows my mind that something as beautiful as our God is just grateful to have us as children. If you're a parent, you know how that feels, and and to be grateful to have your children. and that God is grateful to have each and every one of us, even the one, you know, even those of us that mess up and those that don't, you know, because we have so many of those people. But um, a God that created the universe, a God that created each and every person in this room and on this planet is grateful for us. And then his grace is so large that he welcomes us into his arms, even though he knows that we're going to mess up today and we're going to mess up tomorrow and we're going to deliberately do things that he doesn't want us to do. And all he wants to do, all, all he wants us to do is show that we're grateful to him and to show that we're thankful for each other.